On today's show, I'm going to be talking with David Ruffin Jr. He's got a single called Running Out of Time, which I think is very timely considering what's going on in the world today, but got a lot of other great things to talk about in addition to that. So welcome to the show, David. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mr. Hughes. Hey, you bet. Hey, before we get into more of your music, um, how are you holding up during this quarantine time? Well, you know, it's weird. Um, I'm kind of a homebody unless I have events to attend to. Um, And because there's no events going on, uh, this is right up my comfort zone alley. Well, I like the title, Running Out of Time, because... It seems like you're, you know, are you giving that a push now just because you think this has some, you know, extra significance with the virus and the quarantine and all that? I don't know if that seems opportunistic to, of me to even consider, but um, it was interesting. I listened to the song just by chance yesterday, and I, um, I actually thought about the pandemic, and I was thinking about, wow, I could have. You know, I could have, like, just put a couple of different lyrics in it. It would have seemed so, so, so current. But what's more current than the pandemic is uh, us needing to all demographics I'm speaking of. Um, We need to get on the same accord. Um, And I'm not talking about a Honda. We all need to be on the same page and more of a village and, get things tight and, you know, uh, show more love and respect and consideration and let things go. Positive, uh, you know, positive energy only type thing. Exactly. Well, what's interesting about your story is besides putting out the music, I've seen that you, you've used like YouTube, you have a, a show called Coffee Talk where, you know, you're just talking <laughs> directly to people. So, like, how important it is to you, besides the music, just to directly talk to people out there? Well, I mean, I don't think I'm a Mr. Know-it-all whatsoever, but I also think that um, the older I get and the more that I live through and survive through and experience, the more I should share. So I don't mind uh, sharing. I think it's kind of an obligation at this point, especially since I have kids. So I mean, it's not uh, it's not socket Ryan that you know we all need to you know like I said before we all need to get along and running out of time particularly is is something um I was thinking when I wrote it that you know we the people need a little bit more we and if we could get you know some of that going. Right about now, you know, a lot more of us could not only survive but potentially thrive in, uh, out of and uh, this pandemic and into something greater as a country, uh, potentially as a mm-hmm. as a as a planet. Um, I don't know who's out there watching uh, uh, outside of you know the, the the planet Earth, but I'm I'm sure. I'm sure we don't have a whole lot of options unless we want to just, you know, kill ourselves off to, to just be kinder to each other and, and stop thinking that we're better than the other. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you're at an interesting point in your career because, you know, you've put out a lot of records. You've actually written not for just yourself but for other people. You know, at this point Mm -hmm. in your life, in your career, you know, where are you at? You know, how do you want to express yourself musically now? Um, The way I want to express myself musically now as opposed to how I began is just – Focus on content. Um, I don't want to make music that is too empty. Uh, I don't. I'm not. A, I'm not making music to be uh, secular. No. Uh, it just so happens that a lot of music that I make gets categorized as R&B or pop or something to that effect. And um, it's important to make music that's you know solid. To make music that lasts, that that's not um, that's not temporary. Uh, I want to make music mm-hmm. that shows love. I want to make music that uh, expresses compassion. I want to make music that's fun. Uh, I, there was a time in my life I made some music that was kind of dark, but you know, a lot of artists go through not only that in life, but sometimes multiple times. Um, but as long as you know, we come out on the other end uh, smelling like soap. Uh, I, I think that we're just added to that group of people who are survivors, and it's kind of important to share that message anybody. It's real good that the entertainers now, I mean, they were forced to do this, but they should have been doing it a long time ago. They should have been a lot more personal with the people who have actually mm-hmm. said the government needs to follow suit. The government needs to, uh, we need to have, uh, access to talking to them on a live stream like a lot of these entertainers are doing today so that the time that we're running out of can, you know, stretch a little bit. Uh, not only do we have, you know, uh, uh, not only are we destroying the ozone layer, but, you know, there's a whole lot of other issues besides even this pandemic that we still have to get in order. I mean, cancer, mm-hmm. mental illness, and um child abuse and sex trafficking and all sorts of stuff still. That's really important, but that's part of that. Run out of time is part of that. Let's get together and, and tighten up uh, mindset. Did you, did you, did you watch the – sure, I hear you. Did you watch um, the big Lady Gaga where she got all the artists recently, the big stay-at-home event? I did not. Okay. What struck me with that, there were a lot of different celebrities and people, but a lot of singers. And it always seems like, you know, musicians are at the forefront of movements like this. Why is it that, you know, if there's a cause, the singers come together to raise money to do a concert? Do you think that's something that just goes hand in hand with music, helping people? Absolutely. Music comes to Savage Beats. Even even music that somebody might consider satanic makes that uh, makes that uh, particular person who's living on the dark side probably feel some sort of excitement. So, I mean, music is is designed to uh, help you identify with either what what you're going through or where you want to be. And sometimes you need to hear something positive or somebody saying something funny or cool to help you get kickstart you in the right direction to feel it better. Mm-hmm. Do you think I'm with the quarantine, 
Sure. That people are now are being deprived of hearing live music. They can't go out to a club now and hear musicians live. So, you know, what's the answer to that? Is it the same thing to watch someone on YouTube or to see someone, you know, do it through a screen? For a minute, for a minute, if we're smart. Look, I mean, um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. I, I actually deflect some of the information that I is put in front of me so that I don't have to overthink things. I, I'm a I'm a feeler. I'm not a thinker. So uh, there's just too much information out there. And uh, I, I'm like I, I said before, uh, the, the the a lot more senators, governors, you know, the, the president's doing fine on Twitter. But I mean, a lot more people need to make the uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 adjustments. And so yeah. You know, we're the entertainers are a lot of people's uh, uh, creative crutch. So um, yeah, they're going to look to them to get it right now, and that's how it's pretty much always been. Entertainers kind of let bring things to the public uh, easier than politicians. Um, I I think it's frustrating for people who our concert goers on a, a regular basis, people who love, love, love live entertainment and do it two and three times a month. I'm sure they're they're frustrated, but at the same time, like you said, um, there are artists out there who are live streaming. And I understand some of them are charging money and some of them are not. And I, either way, it's cool. Um, I, I, we got to eat too. And we're not going to eat as artists nearly as well as we would if we could do a concert live as opposed to streaming. We might sell more tickets, but you know, uh, uh, we might, you know, it might be cool to do it live in front of an audience, of course. Which that can happen too. You can, you can screen, you know, forty or fifty, maybe even a hundred people into a small venue and have them walk through <laughs> some sort of sterilization center and you know, put eight cameras in that venue or ten cameras in that venue and have some live energy but stream it out to the world for a small price because, like I said, these concerts aren't happening. And uh, outside of record sales, this is the best way to eat. So, again, I like it both ways. I like the ones that are doing it for free. Um, I like the ones that are charging money. I think they should both, you know, have a little bit of both. I think sometimes they should pay and make people pay, and that same artist should do one for free. You'll pull in more folks, and then the next time you charge, they'll charge more, charge the same, because you're going to have more viewers. I think that's a great idea, um, um, inside and outside of the frustration of not being able to get out. It, it, it's frustrating. It sucks. But, again, I'm a homebody, so it don't faze me. It's not, you know, it's what it is. So for you during all this, what's some of the stuff you're getting caught up on when you're staying at home? Um, I have <laughs> I have definitely gone through a lot of uh, memorabilia. Um, I found, um, man, I found what might be one of ten copies on the planet, if not the only one, um, a copy of my father's service and I've been going through that and transitioning a lot of the media and I've 
been writing a lot more than usual, although I work from home, too, so I'm still kind of working the same hours, if not a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. But when it comes down to it, you know, uh, I still get out, you know. I still ride the bike. I still take a walk. I stay away from people. I wear my mask when I have to go out, but I don't even go out. But, um, you know, Oh man, I'm just I'm sorry, I'm just looking out the window and there's a hummingbird at my glass. That's crazy. Wow. I'm sorry. Oh my god. I got distracted. Wow. <laughs> well it's good you it's good you get some nature when we're all, you know, inside. I think we're looking for signs through nature right now to maybe reassure us. Yeah. Um I can imagine people having to uh take virtual, you know, Virtual tours now, like following a drone or something on screen, crazy. I, I hate, I hate what it could become. But um, this is a strong country, and you know, we're pretty resourceful, and a lot of young people are, you know, well informed and intelligent creatures, and they are the future. And you know, I have faith in them just like I do in my own children. Um, The youth is the future, and I hope that, you know, this puts some of them, gives them a little scare so that they tighten up a little more and prepare to keep their families and loved ones healthy in the next coming 10, 20 years, 30 years. Um, Absolutely. Well, well, speaking of children, okay, the one thing I really wanted to find out from you today, uh, you have this great project called Sons of Motown, where you and the sons yes, of other members of the Temptations were putting a group together. So um, where are you at on that right now? Well, um, we are in, to be completely honest, we're in limbo. We were in limbo before this happened, but uh, we were actually... Uh, talking with a production company about um, a television show as well as a tour. So the tour thing is probably, you know, taking a super-duper backseat. So the television show might still kick off. There's still five of us. Uh, We are all male offspring of Temptations, to be exact, not just Sons of Motown, however that's the name we run, we're running with, uh, with the expectation of having more members from Motown and individual groups within that entity become a part of the production as well. Um, it's really cool. We, you know, we've done a lot of rehearsing. Um, I think that we, if we had had the moment, kept the momentum that we were at when we stopped, which was last year in November we could have been out touring right about now, but it would have been very frustrating to have spent all that time and money to do so out of our own pocket and then not be able to recover it. So, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Well, you know, you're, you're, but you know, the TV show might happen and the the TV show might happen. And Sons of Motown does have uh, social media platforms. So, um, you know, when it does happen, the public will know about it. Well, 
you know, keep me in the loop. I would love to see that because I think part of it is not just, you know, you guys performing, but, you know, you're keeping the legacy alive. And here's the deal with Motown songs, the classic songs of Motown. You know, they'll always live. They're always going to be classics. But I, I want your thoughts on the new generation, the millennials. I won't say they they have a lack of appreciation, but we are getting to a point now in time where just a lot of people are not remembering, like the new crop of, you know, people entering their teens and 20s, you say, do you remember the Temptations? Do you remember the Four Tops? Do you remember Marvin Gaye? And some of them don't, which really surprises me. I mean, what have you seen out there with the Motown legacy, and how can we keep that alive? Well, the Motown Museum, uh, man, see, they're being making me think again. The Motown Museum was going under a, uh, I believe it was a $12 million renovation. It was actually happening. Um, I don't know if it's if it's still going, but the museum uh, has had some investors, and uh, I figured when that project was done, not only was Detroit going to brag more about it, but that there would be some serious advertising and promotions going on across the globe for people to come to Detroit and learn more about Motown um, and how, for me, how Motown was really the catalyst for uh, black artists particularly to be a lot uh, a lot more artistic, a lot more uh, original. Um, there used to be just one category of even urban music, black music. It was just, you know, it was just... Uh, R&B, and then there was R&B and, and neo-soul, and then there was, uh, 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 I mean, you get my point. Um, my, my, mm-hmm. my point is this. There are, a lot of different, there are a lot of different categories of every type of music. There's a lot of different categories of uh, R&B at this point. There's a lot of different categories of even country at this point. Um, and, that, and to see how... I know, you know, uh, the music that we started as black folks didn't get stolen, in my opinion, by any artist that people that that were other than black or particularly white, you know, would try to claim that they were just stealing, you know, from blah, blah, blah group, Four Tops or The Temptations or whatever. And my thing for me has always been, I look at it as homage, like, yeah, that's the right thing to be doing. And uh, you can unleash things in people. Um, and you, you can put something in front of them, and they can say, hmm, you know, that's, I can do that, or that's already in me. I just don't know how to bring it out. And, uh, you know, that, that, can, that applies to music. That can also apply to music history. So, uh I think the younger generation now, they're sitting at home. Let me tell you something. I have more plays of my music this month on Spotify and on YouTube and uh, CD Baby. I have more spins this past month than I have 
mm, the last four or five. So, personally, I appreciate the extra uh, traffic. So I know that extra traffic is not only I'm probably being found after the fact. They'll find the temptations, and we're talking about the younger generation. They'll find the temptations, and then they'll do some more research or find out something about one of them in particular. But I tell you what, it pretty much it will all lead to me at some point if they keep looking. And I'm cool with that too. Um, they're, they're, I hope that they utilize, continue to utilize the Internet not only to educate themselves in music, but to educate themselves in, in uh, uh, technology and in medicine and space uh, uh, science and, uh, you know, uh, breast cancer. And uh, I hope they continue to do that as well. But, um, you know, I think mm-hmm. that the, they'll figure it out. If, if Maybe they don't. You know, there's a lot out there now, too, if you think about it. Uh, there's the music even 20 years ago, probably a third or a quarter uh, of the the music. There's two two or three thirds or two or three quarters more, probably even more than that. It's probably like 10 times more artists out here in the world. So it's really hard, you know, to find. And, and some kids are so one track, you know, they just want to listen to one particular thing. They might just want to listen to, you know, bebop. Some kids might want to just listen to jazz or or rock. Um, But, you know, uh, eventually, you know what, a lot of it leads right back again to the Motown thing because if you do research and a lot of these artists I've seen and or heard of a white artist or an artist from Nepal or an artist from Europe say, well, I heard so-and-so-and-so sing and found that that was a piece of myself. Now, that applies to all types of artists. There's people out there who sound like Bill Collins. There's people who, who are out there that, that are, don't sound like them but are really emulating that. And it's not because they're stealing it, but it's because they just they feel it. Uh, people sounding like Aretha Franklin, sounding like David Ruffin. So uh, they'll figure it out eventually. You know, um, they're pretty intelligent, and um, Google is sure helping them out. So I think you know I sure. don't, I'm not thank, thank God for, thank God for Google. I guess. <laughs> well, we're gonna wrap up in a bit, but before we do, I want you to share with people first where they can find you online and hear your music and learn more about it. Uh, I have a YouTube. I uh, I actually have two. One of them is Roughing It Music on YouTube, and the other is. David Ruffin Jr., Mr. David Ruffin Jr. um, I have a YouTube channel there. A lot of music up there. Um, My my tag everywhere is, in capital letters, David Ruffin Jr., no spaces. So I'm there on Twitter, I'm Tumblr, I'm uh, Facebook, IG, IGTV, you name it. That's, That's my handle. Excellent. Well, I encourage people, especially go to YouTube, find you know anything to sample and hear your music. And if you get a chance, I don't know if it's dormant, but if you ever resurrect coffee talk, I really enjoyed watching that and just hearing you, you know, 
talking straight to the camera. It's very personal. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, so I talked about these millennials and, you know, the Motown legacy. So, you know, say a, you know, a kid came up to you and said, hey, I want to learn about Motown. You know, what are your favorites? You know, what are like five Motown basics you think, you know, every kid should listen to? Wow. Um, that's a good question. I guess the first one for me would be Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, Stevie just, you know, he was like, he was like the younger, he was the younger generation of the 60s, you know what I mean? He was, sure. he was, so I would have to say for, for me, that would be first. And then second would be Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye. And then would and then would be the temptation. Of course. And then would be the Jackson Five, so they know where Michael Jackson actually came from. Um A lot of great songs. Another one Right. Um um uh, Al Green, great voice, super duper feeling. Um Smokey, of course, Diana Ross, uh the Supremes. I mean, the list goes on and on. The miracles were, you know, they they were a group to learn from. I don't even know if any these cats, these millennials, know who Boys to Men are, and where they came, which is also Motown. But yeah, there's right. some, there's some right there. I think I named enough. Well, this is that's an all-star list, so I agree. And I always loved that. Uh, wasn't Tina Marie on Motown? Yep, Tina Marie. Tina Marie yep. was wasn't uh, she on Motown? Yep. And I always Motown. loved. Yep. Yep. And Rick James, of course. And Erica Badu. Erica Badu. Mm-hmm. See, we could do just a whole Neo. show reminiscing about. The greats, but like, you know, of the 60s and Motown of the 70s and, you know, Motown of the 80s and how it progressed. And Well, do you do you ever think that you would uh, record for Motown? Well, yeah, I, I would. I would. I would record for Motown. Um, uh, my father... Motown probably, always, had, you know, always had these great duets... You know, if you could duet with any classic Motown singer, who would it be? Mm. A classic Motown singer? Classic. Um, yeah, from the 60s or 70s. Probably... I don't want to say typically Diana Ross because no, I would have to say probably if not Tina, then Mary Wells or or what's her name? Um, uh, 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 Gladys Knight. A uh, who? Gladys Knight. That's Gladys Knight. Gladys That's Knight. Who. Oh my God! Amazing. A lot of people forget she started out on Motown. Yeah. 
Yeah, a very, very brief time, but very memorable. Well, I appreciate yeah. you sharing all this. I, I think we need a follow-up sometime because I think we just cracked the surface. But I encourage everyone to check out your single, Running Out of Time. Uh, David Ruffin, Jr., I really appreciate talking to you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, everybody, uh, you can listen to some music on Spotify as well. Help me get those numbers up. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, and uh, one last thing to say. Uh, I found an old 12-inch you sang on called Show You My Love. Wow. With, uh, with Louis Benedetti? Benedetti, yeah. Benedetti. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should uh, resurrect your dance music career. Wow, that's funny. Thank you. Thank you. I yeah, mean, I'm not listen. I I I write I write all types of music. I don't write, you know, I got I got all kinds of music. So yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? I guess since uh well, we, we got to do a little bit a little there'll be more people downloading music. I need to keep making some music. Well, besides the running out of time, is there anything you can recommend to me personally of yours, either current or I see of album compilations. I mean, what's the song that really represents you? Like if I was to go back and listen to more of your stuff. I would say Balcony. Balcony. I did actually uh, listen to that. You had um, that on YouTube. That was nice. That was very smooth. That was a kind of a romantic old school jam kind of song. And I promise you I'm not cussing when I say this, but it's a song called Motherfucker Work. I saw that too. <laughs> and you had a video that had kind of like a lo-fi, almost kind of retro uh, 80s look to it, to the video style. That was cool. Yeah, that was um, the one where you, you were like looking at the camera. Yeah, that's called Cry, Cry, Cry. Oh, cry, cry, cry! That was the one with the very black and white, with the smoke yeah. close up of your face. Yeah. That was really yeah. good. Did that just come out like a year ago? Yeah, sir, a year ago. See, that was excellent. Who directed that? Uh, a gentleman by the name of Charles Little II of Taboo Films. He's on the internet and uh, on Facebook and. Uh, on Instagram, Charles Little the Second. I really liked the look of that. Were you Were you happy with that? Fabulous, very. Yeah, they looked really sharp. So, I mean, you're doing so much lately. You know, you're always, you know, given the push. I mean, is your stuff getting out the way you want to? Is it just a weird marketplace? I mean, where's everything at for you? I mean. It is definitely a, a fickle and inconsistent marketplace, um, but you know I've never really uh, I make so much music. Like somebody asked me the other day, how many songs do I think I have? And I was like, ooh, I don't know. And he was like, twenty, fifty. I was like, no. He was like a hundred. I was like, no. He was like, how many? I said, I have thousands. So wow. my thing is, I make music, 
and I kind of go on. And whoever feels it, feels it. I can't afford to put budget behind every single that I do and or finish and or even think about. I can't put too much more energy into it after I've done it because it stifles what I'm supposed to be doing, which is writing and making music. Well, once the quarantine's over and you get back out in the field, how would you like to round out, you know, 2020? What what would be the, you know, one big thing you could break through, push through, or even a small thing, you know? How would you like to end the year? I would like to end the year with a release of a new song and a fantastic video uh, at the same time. I think now would be a good time to put some money behind something um, and promote and advertise uh, this time because, like we started off in the beginning of the conversation, uh, a lot more people watching now. So why the hell not? Maybe a I'm not doing it. Take, I'm not. I'm what? not. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it to take advantage of people. I'm doing it to give them more access. Uh, the opportunities I think probably mm-hmm. run around this time and this this spring and this summer. Do you think maybe a new song or maybe like an older song that you wrote years ago? Do you like do you have a stockpile of songs you've written that you say, you know, one day I'm going to record yep. this? <laughs> I have. They're already. I, I even have a stockpile of songs that are already recorded, bro. And some of my right. friends and family are like, yo, you could release that right now. I'm like, no, it's dated. Listen to those sounds. Well, at least with it, you know, it seems like everyone's got a fresh slate this year. You know, once we make it through the quarantine and summer, I think a lot of people are going to feel like, okay, everything's fresh. Let's try something brand new. Yeah, how are you holding up over there where you're at? Everything good on your side? I'm listening to a lot of music online. I'm taking a chance to, you know, I love to hear the stories behind the music. I've been, you know, watching a lot of interviews on YouTube. And for some reason, you know, looking up you, I, I just wanted to hear more coffee talk. So maybe that'll be well, you know what? my personal goal for you is to hear you resurrect coffee talk. Well, you know what? I'm gonna take I'm gonna take some into that energy uh, and put it directly in my to do list. Um, I've been getting you know I've been getting nudged and nudged and nudged, and I wanted to do it a certain way. Uh, I wanted to make it greater, but all I really have to do is just I guess bring myself and my coffee, and we're good. So, well, I think this would be a good wrap up is to share with everyone you got. A fun tagline for Coffee Talk. I think it's your greeting. What's what's your Coffee Talk greeting? Uh, Shimonin. Shimonin. <laughs> See if you do some more of that. I think people, we're going to start seeing that on T-shirts and coffee mugs. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's actually all right, Dave. Those things, that, although although they're not in production right now, those things are already on my website at coffeetalkwithdrj.com. It's that's funny you say that, um, but I will get that back into production at some point. Um, okay, thank you for having me. Um, anybody on Facebook, I also have uh, 
I think my my personal page might be full. I'm not sure, but uh, mention this interview, and I'll do my best to get you in. And if not that, I do have a fan page. It's just David Ruffin Jr. fan page, and I post a lot of important things that I feel and um, even things that concern people uh, in their communities. So, uh, you know, you can learn more about me and what I'm thinking and how I'm feeling over there on Facebook with that as well. Like I said, thank you for having me, man. And um, we'll do this again sometime. I would love that. So take care, David, uh, and have a great day. 